0: Tell me about this fantastic production of of, of Fiddler on the Roof that you're in. It's only playing for 11 performances here at the Chicago Lyric Opera. In fact, it's getting amazing reviews, and apparently it is a bold new conception, and so I'm dying to hear how they have reconceived Fiddler on the Roof to be all about Laser Wolf the Butcher. Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't have it any other way. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 16th year, number 826, actor-singer David Benoit. Benoit is a musical theater performer who works all over the country, including the current extremely limited run of Fiddler on the Roof, directed by Barry Kosky at Chicago's Lyric Opera, which closes this weekend. David is a graduate of the Boston Conservatory of Music, where he knew my wife Dee Ryan back when she was Denise, and 31 years ago, David played King Herod in my production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Since then, he's appeared on Broadway and national tours and just acted in the world premiere musical Bruce about the making of the movie Jaws at Seattle Rep. I was thrilled to get to talk to David about his career, and he started by telling me about the fiddler he's in for just one more weekend at Chicago's Lyric Opera. It's a vastly different take on it I mean it it, I mean it's has on the roof
1: you can't get around it but I mean it's very 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 dark it's not cutesy it's not bright it's not I mean it embraces the material it embraces the reality of of the situations schedules were dirty they were claustrophobic there was nothing cute about it it was I mean it's a a piece of musical theater but it's not fluffy at all it's at it all it's great dark take on it it's a, it's a realistic take on it and this director in particular the end of act one is so beyond mind-numbingly heartbreaking uh, it, they use the very life force or the very very thing that tevia does as a living and, and to fortify people and shame him with it. i don't want to give spoilers if anyone comes to see it but the end of act one what the what the russians come in and do to this family is beyond and it, i mean literally visceral response i i watched it from during a attack and i was like are you kidding me? kidding me it was really really powerful like crazy powerful well so it just he embraced the material and really brought it to the root to to its very the dark roots i mean it's not a, it's not a cute
0: <laughs> well god bless him i mean the, the the last thing you need is a cutesy pogrom right not that
1: not that any other production i've done the show too it's never fluffy it's never but it's it's you know sometimes they're in pastel colors with their brown sepia tones and like there's like happiness to it there's nothing i mean it's not it's not drudgery in a dirge for three hours but it's 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 actually beautiful in its ugliness it's uh, it looks like Paintings. It looks like sepia tone, gorgeous oil paintings. It's just it, it has a unique feel to it that I've not experienced the three times I've done the show.
0: Well, and, and so. it is it's one of the it's one of the genius aspects of the show is that it embraces so many different tones. I mean, it is It it it, it goes it goes there in terms of what yeah. the russians were doing to the jews at the time it it but it also embraces the some of the comedy that 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 musical oh, i mean that 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 number between uh, the Tevya and uh and and golda of do you love me you know oh I mean? do you love me it's wonderful it just bl- yeah. It just reduces me to tears it's every outrageous. single time Absolutely. it's nice to it- <laughs> know forget about it
1: <laughs> And, and it's in, in our production. It's Tevia who's doing the head on the shoulder. Like he, he's the softy. He's he, he. Stephen Skybell is, is brilliant in the role. He's do, he did the Yiddish production in for Joel Gray in New York. He's going back to it. They're remounting it, and he's doing it in English. And he's really he's here. He's doing it in English, and he, he's really beautiful in the role. Really beautiful and a real naturalistic take. And the humor all there, but it's it's even more heartbreaking. And, and yeah, I'm really I'm really impressed and taken by his performance. It's basically a memory play of the director. He, he, as a little boy, he would play in his, his, with his mother's fur coats in her armoires and closets and listen to the show and perform it. So it's basically out of this memory of his as a child. So the set is literally, if, if you think of the Barricade and Les it's just like furniture on top of furniture. Well, this is the village of Anatevka. It's just, Armoirs and cupboards and closets, all on top of each other—literal furniture. It's on a revolve, but the whole village, all hundred people, come out of the two doors of this armoire, and we come screaming out because it's a memory play. It, the, this little boy on a skateboard comes out, listening to his music, and he has his violin going to his lesson, perhaps. And we have this fifth grader, Drake, who you know is like a child prodigy—the violin. He starts playing it. And he hears a knock at the armoire door, it opens, and among the fur coats is Tevia, who ultimately ends up being his great-great-grandfather, and this whole memory play happens, and it's the tales spoken to his great-great-grandchild. But literally, all hundred people come
0: running out of this armoire. It's insane. Insane. That's incredible, hey, and I'm a sucker for that kind of generational stuff. Oh my goodness! Thank you. <laughs> with, with just a hint of Narnia. <laughs> they are, yeah, more than a hint. Especially me in the fur coat as Laser Wolf in the closet. I came out of the closet
1: again for this production.
0: <laughs> how did you? Uh, how how does? Let's let's talk prosaic business. How do you get a part? How do you get the part of Laser Wolf in the Chicago Lyric production? Can I tell you this? I
1: was leaving to do a new musical in Seattle called Bruce the Musical, based on the making of Jaws. And I had this audition on Thursday. I was leaving Friday morning for Seattle. Part of me was going to blow off the audition altogether because I couldn't even be there for the uh, for the callback. So I'm like, oh, this is a waste of freaking time. But it's Mary Sugarman. She's very, very kind to me. I love auditioning for her. She And so I was like, I can't turn Mary down. So, of course, I went in and... Uh, I guess most of the principals they cast from New York, All like 10 of us, I believe. And um, he said, sing, sing the song to life. And I did it. He said, great. Now I want it to be overjoyed ecstasy and no imaginary shot glasses. Just take the room over. And he says, physicalize it. Just use your whole body. And I did. And I did the two scenes. And then he said, that's it. Thank you very much. And I left this room going, that was "The biggest fucking waste of time ever. <laughs> I was so pissed because I had to leave the next day. Two days later, I got the offer. It was the weirdest thing. So I, and that was Mary's doing. I know. And, and I earned the role of the room, but I know she did that. She did that for me. I know she did. So that's how I got it. I almost blew it off. How
0: weird is that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, okay. it's up. You got to show up. You got <laughs> to show up. That's right. And, and, I mean, it's a gr- another great lesson about how the, <clears throat> auditions don't, don't count on auditions as something to hope for count on count. Consider an audition, the job, go do the job. And it might lead to the paying v- job, but yes. I learned that from Susan Stroman. Cause she wanted me,
1: she wanted any of us who were being called back for young Frankenstein. She wanted us off book. Period. And to basically treat your callback like you have the role, it's your role and it's day of, it's performance. And that's how I treat my auditions and callbacks now. I'd like Now, granted, I'm, I'm amenable to change and to being coached and directed and guided, but I always make sure I'm off book and I'm ready. It's like if you're going to do it, you might as well do it.
0: <laughs> well, and apparently if if we're going to trust your memory and and why not, that's how you got the jo- the job of King Herod in my production of
1: There you uh, go, you're very true. And
0: I knew the song because that was my favorite show growing up. Was Jesus Christ,
1: Christ. Christ so the double the double brown album set. And and as long as you're open and amenable enough to uh take on a director's wishes and give a hint of what they want, then usually
0: you can get the gig. Well and it and it is a collaboration too because the director has a has an image in his mind you come in and bring who you are to the role and the director goes okay well let's see how how the two of us can now make a characterization that we both really like
1: yeah it's definitely a dance and you got to be ready to partner yeah. yeah especially as the actor you better be ready to partner <laughs> I was just thinking about that today i how I should probably have never done that production because I think you already had the role cast. But in my mind, I knew I was going to do King Herod in American Stage Festival, Austin Titchener's production. And I was already doing Man of La Mancha at Chiswick Park Theater. And I think you had already cast King Herod. And I inquired about it and they said, I think the whole, whole show was cast and either you lost someone or it wasn't cast. And I knew in my heart of hearts, I was going to do that show. I think Denise got me the audition, truth be told. I think she got me in wow. I remember the audition. It was on the stage. I sang it once. You said, I want a less flamboyant takes so and be more assertive, be more, uh, just not, not masculine, but be more assertive, but more commanding. And I did. And you had me do it as a monologue for a little bit and then it was done. And then I got it. And I was like, Oh my God, I knew that was going to happen. Why? It made no sense, but I knew somehow I was doing that role at that theater. It was the weirdest thing that's ever happened. To me.
0: That's uh, incredible because I don't remember that. I remember <laughs> I, I remember giving you the direction. I remember being thrilled that you did it. I don't remember losing somebody else. I remember many things about the casting process in that because I had to deal with my boss and his wife, who was the choreographer. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, what a pain. That was my last show at American Stage Festival, Bless It. And Isn't I'm really? so glad you did it because you were outstanding <laughs> and brought the house down. Thank you. You're very kind. I'm glad did it did
1: hi i'm nicole galland author of the novels i iago and the rise and fall of dodo and you're listening to the reduced shakespeare company podcast
0: Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll be playing Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel at the Wharton Center in East Lansing, Michigan, on November 9th and 10th, 2022. For our performances in early 2023, check out the touring page at our website, reducedshakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with actor and singer David Benoit. You've been, you're based in New York now, right? Yeah. And have been for a while, a long time. Since
1: 1990? 91? 91. After the summer after I did uh, Superstar. I think it was 91, I think. Wow. Or was it 92? Yeah. No, it was 91. It was 91. It was 91. I did Forever Plaid. Uh, after your production, I did Forever Plaid in Boston. And then I left that the following summer to do Forbidden Broadway in New York. And then I made the move. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yet, you work all over. You're working in Chicago lyric opera. You're working in Seattle rep. You're you you were in Vegas. We saw you in Avenue Q in Vegas. But New York is the place to be if you're going to be a musical theater actor, right? True, and
1: not to quote Gypsy, but New York is the center of New York. But it's true. It's sometimes sadly to be taken seriously across the country and or these regional houses. They want to cast their talent from New York, so you kind of have to be there. Now you don't you don't absolutely have to be there, but like it was the only place for me because Boston theater was so good to me, but I was at a point where it was an embarrassment of riches. And then it started to get much smaller and a lot of the theaters were closing. So the timing was right. I lucked into two longer running shows in Boston. And then Mm -hmm. I I got out when you could no longer really make a living at doing theater in in Boston. You could for a while, but then it changed. It really did
0: change. I'm so glad you mentioned uh, Bruce because when you were posting it on Facebook, and I wanted to find out more about what was that like with this, the musical about the making of Jaws. That was another show that I
1: was hell bent on getting. I got a phone call from my agent on a Saturday. He said on Monday, they're auditioning a musical called Bruce about the making of Jaws. I said, Jaws is my favorite movie. I I've seen it countless, countless freaking times. Um, And ironically, in third grade, when I saw my mother three times over the summer, we shared a windbreaker. We shared a windbreaker because I was afraid, I was so scared of what was happening on the screen. We shared a windbreaker, to shield ourselves, and I kept fantasizing they were going to lock the doors and fill it up with water and let a shark loose. But when I got to, yeah, I was a weird kid, you know this. But when I got to fourth grade, Mr. Costa um, interviewed us, like Merv Griffin, asking us, um, what we did over the summer that was interesting is said, I have a new passion. I like sharks. I love Jaws. And he says, really? He says, what do you love about Jaws? He says, well, I'm the man. And they started interviewing us about uh, famous people who influenced us. And I didn't even know the guy's name. I said, I'm the man who drove the shark and Jaws. Ironically, that's who I ended up playing. It was the guy who built and drove the shark in Jaws. Wow. I guess I manifested that from third grade which is the weirdest thing. But that was another show. I was like, I'm getting this. No way. I'm not getting it. And I geeked out in the audition. I said, uh, this is my favorite movie. I told him the stories. I said, oh, let's sing. <laughs> and then I got it. And that was another one. I didn't get a call back and I got the job. Because I think we can't break this geek's heart. Because <laughs> I would have been heartbroken if they would get it. And I didn't get a call back and I was devastated. I was like, I'm not getting it. Son of a bitch. But I ended up getting the offer. And I think two days after that. Uh but I loved it I loved it and there's supposed to be a future with it who knows
0: who knows um well I, 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 now you are reminding me of my jaws um, success story, which is my very first television audition was for no it was my very the very first audition TV TV audition that I got was um for the practice. Oh, right, right. Uh, the, the David E. Kelly uh lawyer show. Mm-hmm. And I get this, I get they give me the whole script and uh, it says on the title page or whatever one that one of the producers is named Jeffrey Kramer. And I'm going, Jeffrey Kramer, the only Jeffrey Kramer I know played Roy Scheider's deputy in Jaws. He and,
1: went into because of
0: that movie, he became
1: a producer. He got into all aspects of film, which is insane. Uh, yeah, that's so, a lot of
0: So I walk into the audition room and there's uh, David E. Kelly and the casting director and over in the corner is Jeffrey Kramer and the first words out of my mouth going, oh my God, it is a deputy from Jaws. (laughs) And he goes, he goes, what, what, hire this guy. Those are the first words out of his mouth.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, he got the bug from that movie. A lot of people who did that movie got the bug. Yeah.
0: Well, and I know a friend, a uh, I have a friend who grew up on Martha's Vineyard, um, and her acting teacher was the woman who played Mrs. Kintner. Alex Kintner's mom, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who God, recently passed.
1: She, she from COVID. Oh, oh. I think it was yeah. from COVID related, yeah. yeah. The, the, her, the, her scene, that scene is in the movie, her audition scene, because she said she wouldn't, she would not do the monologue as written. She said there there were too many F words in the monologue and she said, I will never speak the words on this paper. And so I guess Spielberg asked, Spielberg asked her, well, what would you do in this situation? She said, I'd slap this man so hard. And, and basically he told Carl Gottlieb, to rewrite the scene because she, Fiori, Nafira, no, what's her name? Doesn't matter. But she was fantastic. I'm going here we go. I'm embarrassed. I can't think of, remember her name. Here it is. Here it is. Ah, oh, it's the old one too. It's not this remake. That's the real one. Yeah, yes. this
0: is the uh, this is the. Uh, I'm wondering if it has a cast list in here. I'm not sure that it does. Um, I don't think it does. And God forbid I go to the IMDb. But um, uh, was it a good show? Did you like it? Um, I
1: loved it. Uh, ironically, it had similar issues that the movie had, and why the movie was so successful because the shark never worked. Oh. And we had a set. The set in act, uh, that first third of the show, was the Hollywood set. And it was a huge monstrosity. It was gorgeous. It was, uh, since it was of Hollywood and it was the 70s, it was all based on trying to get the picture made very fast paced. So they basically did the set of Hollywood Squares. So it was <laughs> this enormous Hollywood Square with LED screens behind each very, very large playing area that became the golf course. It became all these different areas. It was gorgeous. But for some reason, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't separate to reveal Martha's Vineyard when it was supposed to. So we had similar technical issues, but it all came together and it, people liked it. I mean, they, there's work to be done on it. I love doing it. I geeked out the whole time. So what's next? for you what's next i am doing a concert of candide for the light opera of new jersey what's this newfound opera career yeah but it's pangloss and candide It's not a singer singer role it's all opera singers and me so i'm doing that and i'm up for man of la mancha down at uh, riverside theater i'm up for the innkeeper in that so fingers crossed but you know the Post COVID, or we're still in it, but I mean, it's post the worst of the pandemic. Um, it, theater is still slow and, and pretty precarious the way it's moving along. So, it, it's it's I think um, it's changed. It, it it definitely has changed, and hopefully, it'll get better and better and stronger and stronger. But audiences are still afraid to come back to the theater uh, for commercial purposes. It, it, for profit theater, forget it. I mean the audiences don't necessarily exist unless you're a huge hit in New York City. And even then it's kind of hard, the like, Music Man's folding. I mean, yeah. it, it, the landscape has changed a little bit. It's gonna get better, but like, it's it's still slow. It's still yeah. slow. So, um, uh, so I have up until right now, up until mid-November and then hopefully La Mancha through January and then we'll see.
0: That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. If you're able to get to this weekend's final performances of Fiddler on the Roof at Chicago's Lyric Opera, go to lyricopera.org for more information. Then send us your Narnia influences via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on our own actual website, ReduceShakespeare.com, or visit my website, TheShakespeareans.com. Thanks, as always, to Amity Selectman Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. A random fan shout-out this week goes to Tom Sinks. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to author Nicole Galland, whose acting teacher was Lee Fierro, the woman who played the doomed Alex Kintner's mother in Jaws. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 826, 2478 of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Uh, it's so great to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me.